Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And Levine with the steal over the midcourt line. This ball game is over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. 132-118. Time to dance. Here at the United Center. Time for the Swirsky Shuffle. Bulls 132, Pistons 118. Bulls win for the fifth time in six games. That was last night. Let's talk about that. Talk about a Pistons team that was shorthanded, playing on the road, came in with a worse record in basketball, even so. We're going to talk with Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic. He joins me on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Darno, thanks for taking time today. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. I um, I found myself in trying to come to grips with the idea of celebrating a win over the team with the worst record in the league that was playing shorthanded because of suspensions, and the Bulls are at home. But apparently, it's progress when the Bulls beat a bad team. Can Can you help me understand this alternate universe we're in, Darno? Who, who said it was progress? Okay. Maybe it's not. I guess it's because something they haven't done. You wrote earlier they got to blow this thing up. They should. They should. They have to look at this. They have to examine it because it seems ill-constructed. Share with the class what you'd written and why. Yeah, it's it's clear at this point that the big three is, you know, some like to call it, is not working. And it will not work moving forward. Uh, as currently constructed, the roster around them. I mean, it's time for us, I think, to stop saying Lonzo Ball. Um, they need Lonzo Ball. This, they haven't had him. And so he's not here. He's not probably coming back anytime soon. And so it's, th- it's time to just stop banking on that and saying, this is the team that they have. And we're seeing the same things every night. Even last night against the Pistons, like I said, it wasn't progress because you're seeing them give up three-pointers, they're giving up offensive rebounds, they're giving up second-chance points. And, again, like, as you said, to a shorthanded team that's the worst in the league. And uh, although there were some good takeaways you could take from that game, it was still the same issues. And against a better team, they probably don't win that game. And they're playing a better team tonight. Although, again, they catch a break. Cleveland could be shorthanded. They might be without Mobley, depending how the how it goes at game time. The... I guess we keep resetting things of looking at the next series of games. So it's Cleveland and Cleveland and the, and then the, and then the Nets and the Sixers and the, 
And you keep seeing good teams. We looked at that before, and then they play the Houstons and Minnesotas of the world and look awful. And so we keep resetting that. Is that just we have to get out of that? Is that what you're saying? Is that a little little crazy? Or you're just the the big three has to be exactly perfect. They have to play bad teams or teams playing badly at the moment. So we keep resetting this. Do you think that this is a, a farce of what we're doing, looking at say the next series of games for the Bulls? I mean, I think that's what you have to do because there's still more than half the season remaining. And at this point, you 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 have to give them a chance to figure it out. Um, just because, you know, people like us don't think it'll work. Right? And, and maybe we've seen enough and, and to say, you know, they don't have the shooting, they don't have the size, they don't have the, the athleticism, they don't have too many things that are going to matter when it comes uh, time to win in the postseason or even, you know, make the postseason. So they're struggling to do that. And I don't think this team needs a, a complete rebuild. You know, a bunch of people are talking about blowing it up. I just think, as I wrote at The Athletic, the big three, uh, you know, they're, they're a beatable three. I mean, we're seeing them lose to the Orlandos and, and Houstons and Oklahoma Cities and San Antonios of the, of the league. And so uh, that, that's not what they signed up this core to do and it's clear that those three uh with what's around them isn't working and so why not as the deadline approaches in about a month and a half look at some potential options to to move i would say either vucevic and or demar Derozan. i don't think the league is probably going to bite much on zach levine's contract extension that he just received uh at this point so my my eyes are on vucevic and Derozan as potential trade bait moving towards its deadline my guest is Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic. We're talking Bulls here on The Score, Chicago Sports Radio 670. So if it is DeRozan or Vooch, which one would have the most value? Does it depend on who the team you're dealing with is? Is that, is that the only way you can evaluate it? Or which, who do you think would bring more on average throughout the league if the Bulls were looking to remove one of those pieces? I think DeRozan, for the fact that uh, he's still playing at a MVP level, um, he is an, uh, has another year on this contract after this season as opposed to Vooch's expiring deal. So it wouldn't just be a rental. Uh, a team would have an assurance of him being around uh, for an additional season, and they could make two runs with him uh, potentially in a championship as opposed to, to just the one. So um, if the Bulls could find a, a, a sweet enough deal, think that that would be a, a good opportunity for them if you see that uh, as we are seeing this this current group just isn't isn't good enough if you look at it all gets left to eventually in these these stories these the way these scenarios play out it gets left down to zach's going to be here because of his contract they signed him to that big contract i don't know if it applies in the nba as much or if it's changed. But I was on, always under the belief here, your best player should be your best leader. Your best leader should be your best player. And that's how you get everybody in the locker room following you. And I don't think Zach is the best player as this roster is constituted. Or I don't think you can be considered the best player and a legitimate star if you're not going to guard anybody, if you're not going to play defense, if you don't show that kind of effort at both ends. Am I missing something? Does it matter now if things changed in the NBA 
with these kind of contracts, these kind of players? You know, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, but at the same time, and we've, we've seen role players uh, be, be the spirit of a team, the heart and soul of a team type thing. I mean, even, you know, Patrick Beverly in the league is one of them. Uh, you know, Jose Alvarado down in New Orleans with the Pelicans is one of them. I and mean, you see, uh, you know, guys like that, Isaiah Thomas on teams in the past, the, the, the newer version of Isaiah Thomas, not the, the, the Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, for you've seen guys like that inspire teams and be the heart and soul of teams uh, in the past. So um, I just think with with Zach, it's it's going to be interesting how his contract plays out. And I think that was the big takeaway from last night was that he finally looks like the Zach Levine we saw at the first half of last year. And the Bulls have struggled so much in the first half of this season, in part because of his. Um, slow recovery from arthroscopic knee surgery this off season. So if he can round in the form and, and, and regain his footing, uh, maybe this Bulls team can go to another level. But like you're saying, I mean, there are still shortcomings that he needs to work on. And, and I don't think he doesn't play defense. I think he, he's inconsistent defensively and in that, you know, yeah. even if you're doing it 75% of the time, the other 25% is going to hurt your team when you're not doing it. Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic is my guest. We're talking Bulls basketball. The idea of specifically trading Nikola Vucevic. So you're, you're trading, you're trading first-round draft picks to get him. You're probably giving him away because you, you need to. Some team values the expiring contract. It's, it's, I can't help but go, well, is this, is this a Garpax-like thing? Is this a contract you can't live with? These, are these moves? What do you think this does to the credibility of AK and Mark Eversley? Oh, it's definitely taken a hit. Um, the, the Vucevic trade is probably the worst move that they've made. Um, and, and this isn't even second-guessing. I mean, there are a lot of Bulls observers who knew at the time that it was a quick fix type of move that would propel them in the short term, but also between the draft capital that they sent out and the young prospect in Wendell Carter Jr. that they parted with, you thought this could backfire uh, sooner rather than later, and it has. Uh, the, the, the team has only won one postseason game uh, in the aftermath, and you can't look at that as a success. It's it's a failure. So, um, and now he's on the expiring contract, and you don't anticipate he's going to resign here in Chicago. So, that's the reason I think you have to look at it and say, can they ex- extract some value from Vucevic's deal before he walks in free agency for nothing? So, Darnell, if if <clears throat> If he has to make this team better and he's traded draft picks, but the draft is the way the the Patrick Williams thing, who it seemed Patrick Williams arrow for me is now pointing up when I had great questions about that. <clears throat> but one of the things about Patrick Williams and Dalen Terry in again, a small sample size of what uh, Arturis Karnishevis has drafted is I don't know why you're in a shooter's league and you're drafting guys who can't or won't shoot. Maybe there's hope for Patrick Williams, but I just they seen they're seeing this new Bulls regime sees things differently in whatever they're building. Don't you don't you need to draft guys who can shoot? You will need them to shoot on whatever unit they're playing in. I don't understand that. I'm an idiot. Can you educate me? I think the 
goal for the organization is to draft the best player available. And right now, in addition to shooting, what you're seeing throughout the league is a lot of you know, wings with size, uh, rangy wings who are long and athletic. And Patrick Williams and Dalen Terry fit that profile. They don't fit the shooting profile, uh, as you point out, but but they do fulfill or check that box of young, athletic, versatile defenders who can uh, play multiple positions, uh, switch and guard different positions. So um, you know, that's what the league is also about, and you're seeing it um, on the best teams in, in basketball. And, and hopefully uh, the Bulls can collect some of those moving forward, but at the same time they can't ignore the shooting component that is so critical in this league today. Is a playoff berth necessary even just to play in game? Or are you better are they better better off missing the playoffs, taking a sh- any kind of shot in the lottery? You'd have to ask me again in February. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to deflect, but I mean, look, I've written the team off. Uh, I've said that the that the big three is a beatable three. I've said that it's time to, to move on. I, I've campaigned for playing Dalen Terry and, and throwing out some, some of the younger players, uh, you know, letting them get some experience. But at the same time, this team is defiant. We saw it with the Ayo DeSumo game winner. We saw it with the, with the crazy finish in New York. Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan shot. You know, we, we're seeing this team find a way to win games and compete even against the better teams. I know Milwaukee didn't have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton the other night, but uh, that was another win that they had against Milwaukee, 2-0 now against the Bucks. So, um, And now Zach Levine is, is rounding the corner and, and, and looking like his old self again. So you just can't ever seem to really count them out. And, and I think, uh, you know, they could put together a run. But as of right now, I'm not banking on it. But you just never know. Yeah, I, I, Zach was quick to remind people about when – that he's been doing this for the month of December. Look at his last 10 or 15 games. It was his response when he said, do you finally feel after 43 points, you finally feel you've done this. And he has played his offensive game. He has played better. There have been his shot better. He's scored more. He's been much more efficient, which is the reason for hope for this. But the reason he, I mean, their idea is to win a championship. And this doesn't look like it now, but what would they need to get there? What would they need to be able to beat the Bostons and Milwaukee's in the playoffs? They've had trouble against physical teams or bigger teams. So if that's if they stick together, then what else? Zach gets better, and then what else? It's so far off for this organization, I can't even envision it. Uh, and I'm not trying to be flippant <laughs> or funny when I say that. I, I just uh, – because this is the last year of this core. It's, this core is not championship level, and you're right about that. Vucevic probably will not be here next season. At this rate, I'm not sure DeMar DeRozan will be here next season. So um, you're looking at Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, Lonzo Ball, and that group, Dalen Terry, moving forward, and that's when I say – it's a long way out from championship level contention. Wow. Wow. I'm, and I 
I tried to be Stevie Sunshine, but you're just dooms- <laughs> you're just doomsaying Darnell. That's who you are. So the so uh, if it's you know right now their best player is a it, it perfectly fits how dysfunctional this team can be. Their best player, I think, is still Demar Derozan. He's the best pro, and he's his game is fit for 1970s. And yet, if and and Vooch has approached his three point efficiency of the way he was when what his career average was when they traded for him but if there's if Vooch is gone DeMar is gone and then it clearly Zach Levine's team whichever way they go however they bring in bodies is Billy Donovan a coach you have any faith can get more out of this team can get them to that level or is it I mean is it a no are we done with the idea that he's not Jim Boylan? Suddenly that's not the only thing that matters. Does, can he coach? Do you know if he can coach at the level they need him to be, they expect him to be, that they say they will get to? He has yet to prove that. He got to the Western Conference Finals his first year uh, in the NBA in Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and a loaded Oklahoma City Thunder team. Uh, and it's sort of been a downhill for him in terms of success, postseason success ever since. So um, when he has a star-studded roster, he's, he's, he's made the playoffs, and, and uh, you know, he had a couple unfortunate first-round exits his last few years in Oklahoma City. But, you know, his, star, his biggest, uh, best roster, uh, they made the Western Conference Finals, and Billy did a great job that season in leading them to the Western Conference Finals that season. I think it was 2016 before Durant left. Um, but it's been a long time since he has proven that, and it's up to him now to show that he can do that. I don't think that he was hired to do that, and I think it'd be unfair for any of us to change the expectations on us. I mean, he on him, he was hired to bring this team to a level of respectability and and professionalism that obviously, as you mentioned, uh, did not exist previously. And so I think he's done that. And whether he can now take this team or this organization a step further, that's the question that everyone has, uh, not just in Chicago, but around the league about Billy Donovan. And again, it's up to him to prove it. All right. You like him against the Cavs tonight? It'll be tough if the Cavs have their guys, but again, you, you, the, the Bulls remember what happened in their home opener against this team. Uh, I think yeah. that'll help them, but playing on the second night of a back-to-back for the Bulls, it'll be tough. All right. Darnell, I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you for taking your time today, and I wish you a happy, healthy 2023. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. You too. All right. Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic. There's your doomsaying Darnell. And I, I don't think he's wrong at all, the way this lot roster is constructed. And I do think that in addition to bringing credibility to the sidelines, as far as bringing in Billy Donovan, right, there has to be the expectation that he can get you to point C. Otherwise, he's Doug Collins, and then who's your Phil Jackson if you're the Bulls? So we don't know. I'm having a hard time envisioning <clears throat> whatever trades they want to make that Darnell talked about. If it's Vooch, if it's Tamar, I don't know how this makes this team better, and apparently the playoffs are mandatory. 
would seem to be that the organization would play in if nothing else. I don't know how that makes it better after the trade deadline. Depends what you get, but if it's draft picks, if you're making you're trading those guys for draft picks, it doesn't make you better in April. Hmm. Well, well, wouldn't if if they're trading Demar? Isn't that a clear? We know we're not. Like, don't you recognize at that point that this isn't a playoff team? Because you take Demar off this team, and and they're not going anywhere, right? So if you trade Demar, that's the front office saying we recognize this isn't working, and so we as observers shouldn't expect the playoffs at that point. Right. Like that's right. a white flag. <clears throat> right. They're, that's they're bugging out of any kind of competition. In which case you get rid of everything. You will have no value. You think we'll have no value when, if you ever become good again. And that'd be an interesting thing. The, uh, the, the conversation, uh, you're Michael Reinsdorf and we're having this conversation, me and AK, I'm Michael Reinsdorf. So wait a minute, explain to me again, how you traded, Young player, two young players, but one played center and first round draft picks might give Orlando the shot at a seven foot player who is the, the, the unquestioned number one. And we're not going to get that. We don't have that draft pick. And now you're trading away that center. And how does this make us better? How do we get closer to a championship, it how do sense. I trust? How do I trust you? Doesn't Michael Reiser have to ask that of, of, and, and that might be the greatest reason that Arturis doesn't make any kind of deal for any part of the core to avoid that, and then Vooch just leaves. There's your expiring contract. We'll make the most of it and see what happens in the off season. Is that that's not a conversation? How do you explain that? I don't know if you can because. When, when you look at that, that trade and that, that pick that they got back, which is what, top five protected? Or is it lottery four. protected? Whatever, top four, four. Yeah, whatever phrase they want to use for it. So it's like, man, that's a good asset to get back, but you might not even have it now, which is, yeah, it's, that's a, that's a, that's a head, that trade is looking less and less, looks to be less and less sensical. Right, and now then that gives you every reason, if you're Michael Reinsdorf, gives you every reason, if you're a Bulls fan, to question, to, to, to wonder where his credibility is. I, I appreciated it. I thought, wow, they're going for it. They want to make the most of it. And I don't think he expected Vucevic to suck from three-point range. I don't <laughs> – I, really, that's what happened. It's, and oh, no, and the players, players take the blame for – a lot of this. And, and, and well, I guess his, that, sorry, I no. guess that the, the flip side is if you're AK and you're explaining, you, you knew that the roster needed to be turned over. I mean, he turned over basically the entire roster outside of Kobe White and Zach Levine in the course of like four months. So that move to get Vooch made the team better immediately, but it's not, I don't, I think that maybe if you're AK, you're saying we needed to make that move to get the team better now but that's not the move that's going to win us a title. And it was just one step along the road. But now the problem is if you're, if that's, if you're, if we're following this, this track, okay, what's the next move? Because now you have nothing to move. You can move your best player, but now that means that this year's sunk and you don't know what you're going to get in the draft. Because if it's a top, 
you're giving up a pick if it's a top four pick. And so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that they have to answer, but like, I'm trying to put myself in what you're saying, AK shoes and explain, okay, what's going on here. Like you just made the trade for this guy a couple years ago and now we're, we're moving on. It's yeah, it's a tough spot. I, I they need to say something prior to the trade deadline. Like I know a couple weeks ago, basically everyone at the station is saying like AK needs to come out and talk. Like he's starting to feel Ryan Pacey in with his just kind of hiding and not saying anything, you know? I I would agree with that. It would be nice to hear from him. But but one of the other questions if if let's say he says we have we, we says we look, it didn't work. I made this deal. It didn't it didn't work. Oh, yeah, we gotta move to we gotta move on. We had, right. But and we don't know that that conversation is not being had in the Reinsdorf hallways. But there's another question Michael Reinsdorf should ask. It's how is it we have this big three, but you built a team that is like 15 games worse since Lonzo Ball got hurt and may never come back? You you brought me Vucevic, you brought me DeRozan, you brought me and over and paid this $250 million for Zach Levine. And yet the key to everything is Lonzo Ball. We can't survive a Lonzo Ball injury. We can't. We have no chance. We're not in a top, top six playoff spot because of Lonzo Ball. That's the way you constructed a team. I, is that a reasonable thought or not? It's, it's one of those things where it looks great if he doesn't get hurt like he did. But he gets hurt, and you see, like, oh, this is a house of cards thing, and he was the piece in the middle <laughs> holding it all together. So if if he sold all these moves to him based on all this is going to work together, but they need to all be here for it to work, then I guess that's one thing. But it is still – I again, like, I'm trying to still, like – give AK some credit because the roster was so bad when he got here and he didn't make them better. You know, in the course of what a year and a half, they went from just God awful. No one cares about them to being an exciting team that we want to talk about. And now, you know, here we are a year later, the expectations are raised, but we're seeing the flaw in what he had to do, which is, which is add these guys immediately to make them better. But you sacrificed, I guess, some depth, which they tried to get better at this year. They, you know, Rene and Dragic and whatnot. But the linchpin for the whole thing being Lonzo does feel off. You're coming up on a year in which we will have seen this team go from first place in the East to struggling to maintain the last play-in spot. That's about 15, 17 games worse since Lonzo Ball went down in January, I think it was. We're coming up on that year. I know we're coming up on 2023. We're coming up on New Year's. And you know what? Before New Year's, before we get there, top of the hour, we will bring you the score's 30th anniversary broadcast right here on the score. We will bring you that. It's hours and hours of legends and news and nonsense and great moments and wonderful people and fun times. And you will hear that broadcast at the top of the hour. We uh, will also bring you a broadcast uh, interview with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic talking about the top candidate for the new Bears presidency. And you know what? In this case, not Ted Phillips is a good choice. I think it's a really good choice. I'm with for you. Now, yeah, not Ted Phillips. Great. <laughs> take a break and come back and, and that meatball over there and I are going to have a discussion about the Bears and the end of game stuff. 
I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Trash Panda, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is back and so is mlb.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere anytime all season long follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Welcome back, my friends. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score, Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. Top of the hour, The Score's 30th anniversary broadcast. Listen to it here. We will bring it to you. All the news, all the nonsense, all the big interviews, all of the laughs, all the controversy. It's all here. People in a bar talking sports and stuff, which is the way The Score sounded from the start what it was supposed to be about fittingly held in a bar and that's the way it works. So we'll bring that at the top of the hour, the wonderful three hours, all your boss boss phase will be there. So I got an email from Toby, by the way, said happy new year. Happy new year, Toby. Is he doing sativa Indica? What do you think is, is it a gummy? Is it a going old school, getting a roll his own or getting a pre-roll? It's a good question. We'll, We'll have to see if he's listening and get back to us. Yeah, I think he's back to being the president of Oregon, right? I think that's what he is. I think so. Um, yeah. I'd vote for him. Yeah. So, uh, 
Trash Panda, um, the man behind, the, the brains behind Studzinski and Meat Boss. This Dan Wiederer fellow, you familiar with this uh, Dan yeah, Wiederer yeah, I've fellow? Yeah, I've heard of him, yeah. So <clears throat> he does appear on the score, this year very radio station. He has been writing in Chicago Tribune for years and years and years. He had written this. This appeared on my website today. Earlier this month, sensing his team's need for a finishing breakthrough, Eberflus, that would be your coach, Matt Eberflus, added a second practice segment into each week for two-minute drill work. Now, those of you who have been around here for a while know that I have been yammering on and on and on about when Justin Fields directs some kind of hero drive. It's rather chagrinning that Justin Fields, he does have a game-winning fourth-quarter drive. Do you know what it is, Trash Panda? Uh, yes, that would be three plays, zero yards after the Roquan Smith interception against Houston. Go, you kneel downs. So that counts. I think as it was a, like what? Wait, there was one actual run and then two kneel downs. I think is what it was, right? Right. So <clears throat> that's that's the best he can do. He did have a fourth quarter drive game winning, which turned out to be a game winning drive against San Francisco in the monsoon a week earlier. But there was <clears throat> there was the Houston thing or two weeks earlier. But that. That counts as the fourth quarter, last minute. You know, in the last two minutes, last three minutes, whatever it is, you want to see a guy do that. So, and I was being told they can't do that. that Justin Fields can't do that. It's crap. <clears throat> he has crap around him. He can't do that. They're not good enough. I said, well, why can he do stuff in the beginning of the game and then not at the end? So he gets all the credit at the beginning and everybody else gets all the blame at the end. Whatever, his coach decided according to Dan Wiederer's piece today, we're going to add another segment, the two-minute drill. Wiederer writes, that has provided added situational simulation with an aim to sharpen players' concentration and aid their ability to perform late in games. You have to make those plays, Eberflus said, and you have to make them first in practice. Okay. We don't know officially... If the Bears' offense makes those plays in practice, we don't know if they – we know they haven't done it in a game. We don't know if they make it in practice. But if you can't do that in practice against that dog-ass Bears defense, what chance do you have against a real team? And it makes me wonder, how are you going to get better at this? How are you going to get better at that end-of-game situation? When you're practicing with backups of backups. The only you, way, oh, sorry. Continue. No, Steve. go ahead. I just wonder, how do you do this? You Okay, better talent. The only thing I can think of, and I asked something similar of Jim Schwantz in the 12 o'clock hour, like, oh, my God, they just have to become more talented because talent will figure it out, right? Is there another answer, Trash Panda? Well, I think that, like, first of all, I do want to say, like, I do like that they are the coaches, and this is something that I, that I think that is – should be normal, but it's startling to us because of the the incompetency we experienced prior to this regime. The fact that they saw a problem on the field during games, hey, we're having trouble in two minutes, and yeah. they said we added a segment to practice because we need to get better at that. That's a good sign. That gives me faith that the coaching staff might might know what they're doing. But I agree. Now, now the the to to your question though, 
Yeah, the only way they can really get better at it, and this is what every, all the experts say, you know, J- Jim Swan said it, all the, all the reporters will tell you it. The only way to get better at doing this for real is to do it in games. And Which, I have been, I'm inclined to agree with them. And when they've done it in games, to your point, the, he has been, as the 630 texture suggests, he's kind of, he's been done in by his own team. And, and Rece- yeah, he, re- receivers have dropped the ball or there's a penalty or the, but he also has thrown interceptions. He has. He's not totally blameless. He's not. It, I agree with you. There's if we look at every one of those situations and what those seven, eight games they've had an opportunity, mm-hmm. it's a different thing every time. And maybe half of them you could say, Yeah, this is on Justin, right? So it's not it's not just everyone else. It's a combination of factors of what's happening. But I think also what happens is in these last couple minutes. You lose the threat of the quarterback run. So the defense really doesn't have to worry about that. And if they if it does happen, it's because Justin made something happen out of nothing, right? So the fact that they lose the threat of the run means the defense can just play it straight up. And now you see how glaringly bad everything is around Justin because the line can't pass block when you're without the threat of the run. The the receivers are largely can't get open. You know, the, the guys they had that could get open are hurt. And and so it, you just really see how far how how bad things are. And it makes everything that much more difficult when the defense knows you have to throw. There's 90 seconds left. You got one timeout. You're not running a read option right now. You know, OK, there's your scenario. I'm going to ask you the same thing. That's essentially what I asked Jim Schwantz and the mayor of Palatine played politician. If the Bears, if they would you ex- is it acceptable for you, Studzinski and Meatballs, for them to ruin their their draft status if he leads a last 90 seconds, one timeout, 75-yard drive to beat the Lions, they inexplicably win a game, and there's a hero drive authored by Justin Fields? Is that okay by you? 100%, yes. And, and because... Because I guess my my question back to anyone that says it would be bad is like, how is that a bad thing? How would your 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 the the what the coaches have told you is our franchise quarterback, what we all believe to be the franchise quarterback, who has yet to really lead one of these drives, be the hero, right? How would that be a bad thing? If yeah, I know the lines suck and it would hurt their draft status. Who cares? Like that would be good because if anything, it would be like, hey, look, yeah, he can do this. He can be the hero. That's that's checking a box. We talk about this on the Take the North podcast all the time. Checking box boxes throughout the season for Justin Fields. That would be a check. Be like, hey, yeah, he can be the hero, right? And so, and and I said this during the meatball segment too. Like the draft status, the where you're picking in the draft becomes irre- like if you have a GM. This is what I'm trying to say. If you have a GM, whoever's making the picks, GM, president, whatever. If you have a guy that knows what he's doing, it shouldn't matter as much where you're picking. I know if they have a top two pick, they can trade back, they can get a bunch of picks, and they need more picks because the team is so <laughs> devoid of talent. I get that. But if you have a GM, if we presume that he knows how to pick players, then it doesn't matter where they pick. And if if you lost three picks in the draft, or you moved back three picks, I should say, in the draft, because your quarterback led a game-winning drive with 90 seconds left, that's that's a good thing. That's not, that, we, that can only be a good thing. All right. There you go. There's your happy thought to end Saturday suckage uh, of 2022. It's happy Studzinski. And, and you see our errors real quick. I know we got a break, but 630, <laughs> ruining their draft status is more detrimental for the organization as a whole. No, it is not. All if right. Justin we'll Fields <laughs> leads a game winning drive. 
It, look, if they win because Justin Fields has a bad game and they just kind of accidentally won, then yeah, I could get with you on that. But if Justin Fields has a good game and wins the game at the end with a game-winning drive, that is a good thing. Period. Happy New Year. Saturday suckage. We'll be back in a moment. Chicago Sports Radio 670 this score. Welcome and welcome back. He's <laughs> still hot. Trash band is still going off. On people are going off on him. Well, good. We'll continue it into 2023. I want to thank all you fellow suckageers for listening to Saturday Suckage for your support, for letting me suck so you don't have to in 2022. Nobody important listened to the show. We'll continue that into 2023. Here's Lawrence Holmes and Layla Rahimi with an interview of Matt Fortuna college football national reporter about the bears and their search for new team president. The name comes up and here's the discussion. Hey, Have Matt. a happy new year, everybody. Hey, how you guys doing? We are doing really well. I imagine that there was a, quite the scramble that had to take place for people who cover college sports to be like, wait, what Kevin Warren might be the CEO of the bears. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, I mean, we're talking about a vacancy at the Big Ten Commissioner's Office, which, in my opinion, is the most powerful position in all of college sports right now. So a lot of far-ranging effects. Well, I guess near-ranging effects. He won't have to move. It'll all take place in Chicago. But a lot of far-ranging effects as far as how many jobs will be affected by this at both the college and pro sports level. When you first heard this news, what was your thought as far as whether or not maybe he would want the job or that it was something that seemed to make sense knowing what you know about his background. Uh, initially, it was a little bit of shock just because, again, I, I don't think too many people, m- much like Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU last year, a lot of pe- most people don't leave the Notre Dame head coaching job for anything else. Most people don't leave the Big Ten commissioner job for anything else. But, but when you wear off the shock value of it all and you take a step back, it makes perfect sense for both sides. I mean, when you look at what the Bears are trying to do, which is essentially build a new stadium and attract major events like Final Fours and Super Bowls to the Chicago area, uh, it would be helpful to have a guy who did just that with a similar franchise and a similar part of the country in Minneapolis. I mean, Kevin Warren was the CEO of the Vikings. He helped get U.S. Bank Stadium off the ground. He helped build a suburban practice facility. And what do you know? They got the Final Four there in 2019, uh, and they had a Super Bowl there in 2018. And I think, you know, like everyone else in this city, um, you wonder – if Indianapolis, Detroit, and Minneapolis can all have Final Fours and Super Bowls, why can't we in Chicago? And certainly uh, not having a dome stadium is a big, big part of that. And Kevin Warren is the guy who, who has done that before and who the Bears probably feel is capable of doing it again here. Matt, to catch people up, can you give us the scope of what it is that Warren has accomplished uh, in, a, in a very short tenure as, as Big Ten commissioner? Certainly, Lawrence. I mean, it, it, it's crazy how the narrative shifts, right? I mean, he took over for Jim Delaney uh, right at the start of the new year in 2020. And obviously it was met with uh, the pandemic and, you know, but by all accounts did not handle that particularly well. His Q rating uh, fell dramatically after canceling the Big Ten football season and eventually relenting on that decision and starting a shortened season amid a lot of protests, both internally and externally. But he's bounced back from that nicely. I mean, starting this past summer, by landing USC and UCLA from the Pac-12 and creating this national 16-team super conference that the Big Ten will be starting in 2024-25. And right after that, he negotiated a seven-year, $8 billion media deal with 
Fox, CBS, and NBC uh, to give the Big Ten prime broadcast windows across the three three of the major networks um, every Saturday. And, you know, he left ESPN in the lurch during that as well, which was a bold move on the surface. But, again, when you wield the kind of power that the Big Ten does, you can kind of call your own shots, and Kevin Warren certainly did that. So when you look at the scope of his work at the Big Ten, you look at the way the Big Ten is set up right now, the heavy lifting has been done. So I get why he might have that itch to, to try something else with his career right now, and certainly you know, it was already an attractive job regardless of the circumstances of the Big Ten, but, but if he leaves it, um, it becomes that much more attractive, in my, my opinion, because it's set up to absolutely thrive in the next decade. Well, that's another question, too, is it's not just about the future of the conference, which I doesn't I don't think it stops at 14 teams. I don't think we're done seeing the Big Ten expand. That was my first thought when I saw USC and UCLA. But also, that's a job that likely pays a lot more money than the Bears president job, at least as far as we know right now. What's your understanding of the salary, at least that Warren is commanding? We've heard reports of five million. Yeah, Leo, that was one of my first reactions as well, and that was some of the feedback I got too was, wow, the Bears must really be ponying up here because traditionally speaking, and you guys can probably talk to this better than I can, but I feel like NFL president jobs or jobs similar to that pay in the $1 to $3 million a year range. Kevin Warren uh, was credited with $3.5 million from 2020 with his, the most recent tax returns for the Big Ten. I, I would imagine, especially with this new deal and with everyone in that conference getting rich, his salary will be more in the $5 million range uh, as soon as we can get our hands on those numbers from 2021 and 2022. So I would imagine the Bears, you know, I, I doubt he's going to go for a pay cut, right? And, and again, we're talking, you know, millions versus millions. No one's going to cry poor for him either way. But I, I doubt he'd be leaving for a pay cut. I, I would also, and again, I, I don't cover the NFL daily like you guys, but I would imagine this particular president job and, and the tasks that are waiting ahead for whoever takes this job given the Arlington Heights project, given the stadium and city issues, it, it's got to be much larger in scope, I would imagine, than a traditional NFL CEO or president job. And because of that, I would imagine and hope for the Bears' sake that they're paying a premium here. Matt, what do people around the league and around college sports say about Kevin Warren? You know, he, he's got mostly a pro sports background. Um, he was he kind of came out of left field when he got announced as the Big Ten commissioner just because – he'd not been in college sports in about 30 years, um, really since he, he got his law degree from, from Notre Dame. And so, uh, you know, he worked with the Vikings. He worked with the Rams. I believe he worked with the Lions as well. Uh, he's incredible contacts across all levels of the sport um, and certainly was a different voice. It definitely brought a different personality to the Big Ten than Jim Delaney, who for, you know, as, as influential and as powerful as he was, um, you know, was not exactly the most charismatic guy in the world in his later years when he was running the Big Ten. Kevin Warren definitely changed the culture there, uh, in my opinion, for the better while he was there. And, you know, if, if this is if, if his time is up there, if it, he goes to the Chicago Bears, and I don't believe it would get to this point publicly if it wasn't at the one-yard line, um, he's definitely left that conference in a great place to to thrive and succeed in the future. I mean, it was already a, a giant from a financial standpoint, um, I think he was able to expand their scope and reach a little bit more. And when you look at college athletics as a whole right now, it really is the big two. It's the Big Ten. It's the SEC. Both are about to have 16 teams. Both are going to make hundreds of millions of dollars more than every other conference. And I, I think both Jim Delaney and Kevin Warren are, are, are to thank for that if you're the Big Ten. I also want to ask the question when it comes to the viewpoint of him. There's a lot of fans, of course, who are still mad about how that was handled. 
I don't anticipate that ever being something in the future. I would think that what he's done this year is enough to where you can overlook the changing understanding of what was going on with COVID and how well it was contained at the time he made those decisions. But I do wonder if that left a mark with the schools, if that was something where they even have a say in saying, is this the person we need moving forward? Despite all the things he's done as far as the business side, which I think speak for themselves, and once again, expanding to the West Coast. Yeah, it's always hard to overcome your first impression, right? Now, I will say, you know, in his defense, you know, the the Big Ten commissioner job, any commissioner job, like like Roger Goodell's or anyone else's, you serve at the behest of your owners, or in this case, at the behest of your president. So, you know, Kevin Warren became the face of that, both good and bad. This way he's become the face of realignment and of the media rights deal both good and bad. And the reality of the situation is it's much more complicated behind the scenes than just one man or woman making a unilateral decision. Now, I will say in the three and a half years or so since he took that job, 12 of the 14 sitting conference president, sitting conference schools have had turnover at the presidential level. And those are the people who, one, hired Kevin Warren, and two, basically directed him on what to do. So it's a completely different um, kind of board, if you will, within the structure of the Big Ten right now. And so you wonder how that changes things moving forward if and when this job opens and what they look for in a new commissioner. But certainly, um, you know, he was playing from behind from the very beginning. And again, I would not, you know, I've had candid conversations with Kevin Warren about this. He said, I would not wish that year on my worst enemy. Um, You know, it it was bad. The the death threats, you know, he did not drive his car, um, you know, for the first year because he didn't feel secure with the parking lot at the Big Ten offices. I mean, it was it was ugly. It was bad. I would not wish that on anyone. how you know how, how much of the football cancellation part directly falls on his shoulders? Certainly, a, a lot of it. I mean, he's the commissioner; he's the base of the conference. That's what he gets paid the big bucks for. Um, but but it was an unprecedented situation for anyone, and I'm not sure anyone uh, in the college sports space covered themselves in glory with the, their leadership during that time. Death threats to save people from a deadly illness. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You said something about this being at the one yard line. That's your understanding. Why do you say that? I just, I mean, everyone in college sports, commissioner, athletic directors, coaches, you name it, they have conversations all the time. In fact, the Big Ten statement yesterday basically intimated as much with Kevin Warren. I can tell you this is not the first conversation he's had with the NFL franchise since taking over as Big Ten commissioner. Um, I, I don't imagine this gets out the way it does. And so publicly, I mean, once it got out and once I started making calls on this, a lot of the reaction was, yeah, um, we're surprised it took this long to get out, at least from the NFL side. Now, again, he lives in Chicago. Him going to Hallis Hall to interview isn't him getting on a plane flying across the country. Um, you know, it's a much, much lighter lift for him being in his backyard here. But I, I think, one, it would be really hard for him to, to kind of, I hate to say, turn back or go back because who knows who's actually making the decision here, whether it's him or the Chicago Bears. But it would be a very awkward dance to go back to the Big Ten and to lead that conference, I think, in the manner he's capable of doing with this being out there and with this hovering over everything right now. And again, I think these guys are smart. They're savvy. I don't think this gets out as publicly as it does if it's not already a done deal or very close to being a done deal. And I know there were one or two other people who, who had been brought back for multiple interviews as well, but I know the Bears thought very, very highly of Kevin Warren, and I expect him ultimately to be the next president there. Wow. Um, I wasn't That's, expecting you to say that. That was pretty big. You just you just threw that in at the end, Matt. I, well, I, you, you brought me on to talk about him. I, I don't think it's because he, he's uh, not going to be <laughs> I mean, either, the eventual president. 
I don't know. Right, I mean, right. the fact that his name is even brought up in the circle is is pretty it's it's pretty surprising for us. But for you to say that, that is significant, I think, right now. I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. I put it that way. I mean, I, I think when you look at what that franchise needs, what he would bring to the table, and, you know, again, all the cars aligning kind of for this to happen, I'd be surprised if it didn't happen at this point. Um, you know, I'm not reporting that. That's my personal opinion. But um, I, I just don't think it gets to this point without him ultimately, you know, getting that job. So Dr. Jim Phillips comes back and he takes care of the Big Ten? Is that what happens, Matt? <laughs> that that would be the obvious and natural uh, succession plan. Again, for, for better or for worse, as I said earlier, all the presidents, for the most part, are new in the Big Ten. Now, they didn't choose him last time, and everyone thought he would be the choice to succeed Jim Delaney. And it would probably be a little more awkward right now to leave one power conference as a commissioner for another. But but no one is more Chicago or more Midwest than Jim Phillips. His family's still here. The Big Ten is eons ahead of the ACC from a financial standpoint and as far as the way they're set up to succeed and thrive in the years to come. I, I think it would be really hard for him to pass that up if the opportunity faces him again but we'll see how that process plays out it should be fascinating yeah to me like I don't even like to me it's him moving from a semi-powerful conference to a really powerful conference like I I don't even it's not lateral at all it's a move up if he were to come and be in charge of the Big Ten huge huge move up I mean again the Big Ten and the SEC are just playing a different game than everyone else right now both on the field the Big Ten is two teams in the college football playoff uh, tomorrow and financially uh, with, with their future TV deals. I mean, the ACC right now, and this was done before Jim Phillips got there, but they're in a 20-year deal with ESPN right now that doesn't pay all that well, and that goes through 2036. Both the Big Ten and SEC will be up for renewal before the end of the current ACC deal, and both are already making a ton more money than the ACC is. So you, you can do the long-term math there and see how sustainable that actually is. I think that that's something that people need to consider when you bring that up. It's not just the wealth of particular schools or, or thinking about a TV deal. It's the actual wealth and viability of conferences. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- there's a crane of rights right now, and because of the length of that deal with the ACC, it- it's cost prohibitive for any school to get out of it. But but you can do the math. Once you get closer to the finish line of the TV deal, you can already see, and I'm sure they're already having these conversations behind closed doors, the Clemsons, the Miamis, the North Carolinas, the Florida States of the world. They're looking at their resources compared to the Oklahomas and Ohio States and Alabamas of the world, thinking, how are we going to reasonably compete for national championships if, if we can't afford to pay our staff and expand our staff and build out these great facilities that they're able to do with much more ease in those other conferences? Matt, this was delightful, man. Thank you so much for jumping on and giving us all the information. You can check out Matt on BetQL in the action each Saturday from 3 p.m., to 6 p.m. You can read him in The Athletic, and occasionally he has got enough time to come and hang out here with the stupid people uh, on the radio show. So, Matt, as always, man, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Always a pleasure being with you guys. Don't be so hard on yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.